Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Paul Sachs. I'm editor-in-chief of Clinical Infectious Diseases, and welcome to the Let's Talk ID podcast. Today, we're joined by Dr. Gretchen Arnotzi. She's a clinical ID physician in Pinehurst, North Carolina, at First Health of the Carolinas, where she covers four hospitals. She's another one of our talented authors in the Voices of ID series that we'll be featuring on this podcast with her contribution called Mother's Days. I plan to ask her about that in a moment, but first, uh, Gretchen, welcome. Thank you so much. It's really a thrill to be here. So I'm always fascinated by people's origin stories, in particular with respect to how their interest in medicine arose. Uh, So we got here by different routes, all of us. So what's your story? How did you find yourself becoming a doctor generally and an ID doctor in particular? It was a bit of a surprise to my family, I'm not going to lie. I often think about doctors as that you know, stereotypical oldest child, very achievement oriented, you know, great student, valedictorian of the high school. That was not me. I love telling the story for everyone who has kids who maybe are not that person. Because when I was in high school, I was not a good student at all. I really struggled in especially freshman, sophomore year. I really thought I was going to be a writer or maybe a history teacher or a poet or, or something like that. But I went to college and I went to a very small, much less competitive college than my high school. And really like the small pond kind of made me into a bigger fish. I got a job at a bookstore because again, I thought I was going to be a writer or English teacher. But I loved my freshman biology class. And I'd finally like figured out study skills. So I was doing better in college. Um, And I started reading all of the books at the bookstore in the biology section. And one of those books was The Hot Zone about the Ebola epidemic, of course. And another was Deadly Feasts about the mad cow pandemic. But then the third one that I read was And the Band Played On. And it just sucked me in. It hit me like a lightning bolt. I said, oh my goodness, I I think I'm going to do things a little differently. And I was killing the curve at my freshman biology class. So I decided I was going <laughs> to maybe maybe look into medicine as a career instead. That's a great story. And I agree. The, and the Ben Platon was was a, a really terrific book. And I, I read it as well. So you applied to medical school. And obviously, you got in. And <laughs> how did you how did you sort of make the decision of uh, internal medicine and ID? And, and also, I, I was interested in, in second choices or runner-ups in career trajectories. I got into medical school probably because I got I got a part-time job, summer job at the Centers for Disease Control, again, because I was an ID geek and I was really interested in it. And I get into medical school. And then my third year during the clinical rotations, I liked everything. Like everything was interesting to me. I felt like I could have done just about any of it, except maybe surgery, just because I'm clumsy. I, I really liked it. But every at the end of every rotation, as after I decided I was going to be a pediatrician or I was going to be a OBGYN, by the end of it, I'd had some interaction during that rotation with infectious diseases. And it always was like, oh, right, I forgot my first love. Yeah, I'm going to do this. And so it just, it just sucked me into you know, doing infectious diseases. So then I went to residency and then fellowship at Chapel Hill and then just went from there. Any second choices? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I went to this uh, talk about careers. And I remember, you know, all of us were, were full doctors in residency at that point. And someone was just saying how, you know, I'm, I'm talented and hardworking and I'm fully trained. I, I can get another job. I could do something else. Like I, I could have done psych was honestly my second choice. I got an award for excellence in the rotation of psychiatry. Like I, I could have done psych. I really liked, I really liked psych, but ID, I mean, for me again, HIV, vulnerable populations, interesting diagnoses, you know, the zebra hunters, that's that that just pulled me in. Yeah, one one thing we have in common with the psychiatrists are these very detailed histories. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And writing. 
and writing four page notes. <laughs> yes, focusing on different populations. So, right. so um, uh, what I'd like you to do is tell me about your day-to-day life as an ID doctor pre-pandemic. So what was life like for you in 2019? Pre-pandemic, so I'm a clinical infectious diseases physician at a community healthcare system. And there was one other ID doctor at the time in 2019. So me and him, and we had an APP. And so I was on call 50% of my life. And my day-to-day job is taking care of patients, which sounds miserable if you're at a place where call is very taxing. But actually, it was it was a nice life. I mean, you know, we, we, we have a, a good team. We've got good relationships with our hospitalists. And I just come into work, take care of patients, see people when I'm on call, see clinic patients. I also oversee antimicrobial stewardship, OPAT, and clinical trials if we're doing any clinical trials, which we're not always. And so it was a very day-to-day trying to figure out people's problems and make them better. Day-to-day life of just just being a, a you know, basically a clinician, but also the person on call for anything infectious disease related. I really love the recent podcast that you did talking about being the only ID doctor in town. And even though I was one of two, I really, I really identified with that because you kind of, you have to be a jack of all trades. So that's one of the really interesting differences between community-based ID practice and at academic medical centers, because obviously in the latter People are so hyper-specialized. You wouldn't have someone who's doing both antibiotic stewardship and necessarily HIV care and OPAT, all of them together, you know, um, although we do have someone in our faculty who is sort of a jack of all trades, but most people, it's one or the other. Anyway, so back to 2019, 2019 turns into 2020, and uh, all of us kind of remember when we realized that this COVID-19 thing was going to be a very big deal. When was that moment for you? That moment for me was during that press conference by Nancy Messonnier when she said, this is going to disrupt your lives. Because I've been paying attention to public health since 1998 when I first got my summer job at the CDC. And I'd never heard anyone say anything like that before. And I thought, oh, oh dear, this is going to disrupt our lives. She was correct. She was correct. I mean, it ended up pretty much costing her a job. As you, as you might have remembered, this was not well received. No, it, it, uh, there was a lot of downstream effects from that statement, but she was correct. Yes, she was absolutely correct. Yeah, no, that's, that was a very memorable moment. It sort of was watching what was going on in other countries and realizing, you know, we were lucky with SARS and that wasn't going to be the case here. Now on to your piece. I have to tell you, it was really beautifully done. A personal favorite of mine. Oh, uh, it was you. so well written and so moving. I could see that, you know, writer, English major. I don't know if you were a biology major or an English major, but you certainly can write. I think it was interesting how you, you structured it around four consecutive Mother's Days, which of course happened in May of 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023. So how did you come up with this idea? Part of it was you put out a call for writing pieces. I think it was in early May. The way I process grief or big emotions or really, I don't know, anything is I write about it. I love to write and that's kind of how I process things. And I've been thinking about how, you know, if, if I wanted to try to publish more, if I wanted to try to actually put something out there. So you had put out this call that you were looking for pieces from ID people. And right on Mother's Day is actually, I was, I remember being in my you know room with my daughter at breakfast and looking at my old social media and how it will say like, oh, a year ago today or two years ago today or three years ago today. And it suddenly made me realize that, oh, right, Mother's Day 2020, that's when Jenny went into labor and Mother's Day, you know, 2022. Oh my gosh, I was 
isolated in this room and I had COVID. And, and then even the year before, you know, in 2021, remembering that, you know, what had happened right after that we'd just gone through this kind of ordeal with, with Jenny on Mother's Day. And I just, and then even now, as I was, you know, the, the fourth one, when I was coming back, thinking about how I'd had four very eventful Mother's Days and thinking about, again, this particular tragedy that we'd experienced and how it was so focused around motherhood. And then the fact that it all happened on Mother's Day is just felt very poignant. So I wrote it and then I sent it to you, which was great because it got <laughs> well received. So so uh, let, let's let's start with that 2020 Mother's Day. I know it was kind of painful, but but tell us about this character, Jenny. So Jenny, so Jenny's a friend of mine. She's a pharmacist who works in my system and she had uh, worked with me during her residency. So we knew each other. And then we're in this kind of group of people who all have kids who go to the daycare at the hospital. So we'd been at like birthday parties together. Um, and we had had, unfortunately, COVID outbreak within our pharmacist system. And then some people had, you know, downstream cases and we were investigating and figuring it out. And Jenny was pregnant and she was in her early, I think she was 20, in the early 20 week area when she was when she tested positive and i remember you know kind of talking to her and saying oh god i know this is really stressful and we didn't know anything right this was still in may of 2020 um who knows but i'm an optimist and i'm usually i my default is usually reassuring like well you know we'll we'll weather this we'll figure it out i I think i said something like this i mean i know this is scary but I, i bet you're gonna be okay we're gonna get through this and that's not what happened at all so she went into preterm labor she delivered a child way too early you know the baby she was in isolation the baby was helicoptered to our academic center the baby spent a month in the NICU and then unfortunately passed away and it was just the most tragic horrible experience you know it's it's really uh and and of course the the women who were pregnant who got COVID in that first year they were they were sick they were really yeah. sick. <laughs> and we, Jenny and I really followed the literature about, about pregnancy and COVID after that and just seeing the specific risk to pregnant women, which still exists. So, so you write about it. You go, I'm going to quote you. You say, I get back to work. Uh, this is after hearing about the baby's death. In between clinic notes and consent forms, these giant hiccuping sobs keep erupting out of me. They each last a minute or two. Then I angrily wipe my eyes, shake my head, and get back to work. Wow. What was your preparation, either in medical training or in life, to handle moments like this? I do think everyone in medicine has an experience like this because of the nature of our work and the fact that even as we experience the worst event in someone's life, we also have to get up and go to the next room and we have to keep the lights on, we have to keep going and do the next thing and and take care of patients. So I I do think everyone in medicine has had a situation like this, had an experience where you have overwhelming grief, but also you still gotta, you gotta keep feeding the cat. You gotta keep doing the next thing. I just felt like during the pandemic, especially for infectious diseases providers and, and people, that was every day. I mean, it just happened all the time. We just got hit with grief, but we had to keep doing three times of our usual workload. And that was my experience of 2020. Well, the next year, 2021, was much happier, wasn't it? What happened? I was one of the people who was recklessly optimistic about, I expected that with with people getting vaccinated and then even people who weren't getting vaccinated but who had already had the infection, I was really hoping that this was all just going to kind of crescendo into us being done with it. So I was very optimistic. Also, Jenny got pregnant again. Uh, She told me in in December of 2020, and then her due date was in June of 2021. Her request to me was figure out what we're going to do so I don't get COVID, or if I do, what we're going to do about it. And again, being the optimist, I was like, oh, you're not going to get it. You're going to be fine. It's going to work out. 
But then in, in Mother's Day 2021, it's just my memory of the fact that she did get exposed from her own child right around she was 25 weeks pregnant, which was absolutely harrowing for all of us. But she decided that she was going to get vaccinated. So she did. And for once I was right, it all worked out. She she did fine and had a beautiful, healthy baby girl. Excellent. Well, I, I, I know I have my own May of 2021 overly optimistic memories, which is, you know, the, the CDC comes out and says vaccinated people don't need to wear masks. And I remember thinking, well, I'm maybe not that optimistic, but but I was we were optimistic enough to have a sort of a, a landmark birthday party for my for my wife, you know, which we had 50 people in the house. I was kind of like, OK, you know, this is going to come to an end. Didn't work out that way. I mean, the vaccines ended up still protecting us from severe disease, but not from infection, unfortunately. Speaking of, uh, I transition now to 2022 and Mother's Day of 2022, you find yourself with COVID-19. So, so now, now that most of us have had it and some of us multiple times, I wonder, how did you feel when you tested positive, both uh, physically and emotionally? And how did your family respond? When I threw myself into the fray in March of 2020, so I, I was working in a, I was one of three ID providers and I was the youngest and I was woman and I don't have any medical problems. So I just kind of said, okay, hey, look, I'll be designated COVID person. I'll just be the person. And I kind of, you know, did all COVID stuff for a little while until eventually we all start, of course, we were all doing it. But I remember thinking like at some point I'm probably going to just get this, you know, and I kind of resigned myself to that and I was trying not to, but here I went two and a half years. I, I never had it. And I was seeing at one point, every COVID patient we had, PPE is amazing. It works fine. Really after Omicron happened, um, I, just, I have a distinct memory of being in front of my board at my system as uh, so I was talking about the data out of South Africa. And someone asked me like, what, what are you telling us Gretchen? And I said, I think we're all about to get COVID. Like, I, I think this is, this is a different thing. This is just a different thing now. And so the fact that I went all the way through May of 2022 and still hadn't had it, you know, getting testing positive, it was a bummer, but it was also kind of like, okay, yeah, I mean, I figured at some point, even, you know, I'd be careful. I do all the right things. I'm vaccinated to the hilt, but eh, I just, I, so many people who I'd know had it, even though they're careful. So it's, it's so funny. The other day I was on a, on a family conference call where, where we were talking about someone who recently had COVID and the, the, someone asked the question, you know, how did you how'd you get it or where do you think you got it? And the the there's there's no right. answer to that yeah. question I don't anymore. Know. <laughs> exactly. It's absolutely everywhere. Right. Yeah, Omicron changed everything as those uh, incidence curves showed. And now we've got more than more than ninety-five percent of the US population has, has had COVID nineteen. May twenty twenty two, you had COVID, but May twenty twenty three, you're you're having what you describe as a very normal experience. You're at an indoor water park with 40 to 50 uh, Girl Scouts. I think it's Girl Scouts. Is that right? <laughs> it, was, it was Girl Scouts. Okay. Girl Scouts. So, so you wrote on our trips trip, there were no masks, no distancing, no vaccine card checks, no photos of negative test results. There were water slides, dancing, and sticky fingers from all the suites. It felt like 2019. It felt like the opposite of the pandemic. So yes, it does. I mean, I agree with that. That's very well said. Uh, but we've we've changed, haven't we? Right, right. And even as we, you know, we've gone through this enormous ordeal, and even as we're back to yeah, indoor water parks, which I'll admit, a lot of ID doctors would not do. <laughs> uh, 
a sucker for my Girl Scouts. But we also have this this grief and still this we're still recovering and we're still remembering. And you know, the close of that piece was, yeah, we're kind of back to normal, but but we're not. You know, Jenny is still celebrating Grady's birthday. And and we're still we're still grieving and still recovering. You know, I think we have collective PTSD from the experience. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we started this Voices of ID series. You know, it won't just be about COVID, but the first batch were. What, what do you do to cope? One of the things I do is actually writing. I, I love, I've always, I've always written. I, I am a huge person who, when I'm having a big feeling, I will mark out 15 minutes, sit down and bang something out. And again, I don't usually publish. I just, I just don't. It's just, it's for me. It's personal. You should. I, I, maybe I should. Maybe I should do it more. But uh, I write, I write a lot. The other thing that I was really struck by at ID Week this year, um, I didn't go last year because my group, we rotate, but it, this year, every single person at ID Week, if I sat down with them and had anything more than a five minute conversation, you know, if I said, oh, hey, let's get a coffee or let's, you know, meet for a drink or something, they would tell me a heartbreaking story. Everybody, everybody in that whole conference center had some story, which was just, you know, and it could be personal. It could be something they experienced peripherally from the patients, but just from the pandemic, everybody had just, and I think that's true of the world. Like ID, yes, but also, also all my neighbors, also all my Girl Scout parents. So one of the things I've, I like hearing them, you know, like I've loved your Voices of ID series. At my own system, after I after you had, you published this piece, you know, I sent it to my my people. I said, "Look, hey, look, I got an, a journal. I'm really excited." <laughs> and you know, they said, "Oh, hey, guys, you know, read the scratch and wrote it." And actually, a couple of people have already come up to me and said, "Like, we would love to write something for like First Health. I mean, maybe we could even do, you know, just there's so much, there's so many stories, and listening to other people's stories has been really helpful for me. Just to process it together. Once again, thank you for submitting it and for coming on the podcast today. I, I, I got to tell you, you have a lot of writing talent, so I would hope that some of that banging something out is uh, can find its way to be published. So uh, once again, I've been uh, talking with Dr. Gretchen Anutzi, who is an ID physician in North Carolina, and she has written a beautiful piece called Mother's Days for Clinical Infectious Diseases. I highly recommend it. Gretchen, thanks so much. Thank you.